this is Got Marketing, a fad-free, fluff-free, no-nonsense podcast for marketers looking to work smarter. I'm your host, Mia Feilman, a marketing strategist with over two decades of experience and an entrepreneur. I'm tired of marketers telling you what you want to hear. Instead, I tell you what you need to hear. During the show, I chat with creatives and strategists about all the aspects of marketing, but especially marketing campaigns. Unpacking and dissecting marketing campaigns is what I do for fun. Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, the marketing education platform where marketers and entrepreneurs go to upskill. Let's dive in, shall we? Hello, friends. You know I'm all about a fluff-free, no BS approach to marketing. It's in the intro you just heard. Many of you also know that I'm obsessed with the activewear brand LNDR because they offer an honest take on a category so saturated with empty marketing messages, most of which fail to connect with customers' lives. So today, it is with enormous pleasure that I am joined by the co-founders of LNDR to unpack their marketing. I rarely get nervous these days, but I have been so nervously excited leading up to today. And I must say that this is a little bit of a career moment. Their launch campaign, We Are LNDR, is one of my all-time favorite campaigns. And for me, that's like picking a favorite child. I have shown it to anyone and everyone who will indulge me. But as well as nailing their campaigns, there is one heck of a David versus Goliath story here too. So let's dive into the sweaty truth with Joe and Sarah from LNDR. Welcome. Hi. Hi, Mia. How are you going? Really well. Thank you so much for joining me. I am so excited to talk to you. I really hyped you in the intro. What I want to know first is sort of take us back to the beginning. LNDR started as a wholesale brand, but you are now direct to consumer. What drove this major pivot? Yeah, so we launched in 2015 and we're 99% wholesale. We launched with a website as well. Joe built that website. I have a photo of us doing cheers with Negronis the day that you like press go on, on that website, which is funny. <laughs> But it was like a needle in a haystack because we weren't driving traffic to the website. And we were able to launch in some really amazing department stores in London, also internationally. I think we had like a German department store, an American department store, a couple of U.S. stores, and then a couple of like Harvey Nichols and Harrods, I think, when we first launched. And it just grew from that point. So for the first four years of business, we were designing, producing and selling four collections a year. And we did really feel that there was this, there's sort of this pushback from the buyers and vice versa to us as well. You know, the push for newness really didn't align with us as much. You know, our ethos is less but better. It always has been. We produce, you know, active wear and it's like what we create is amazing engineered performance wear. And, you know, at the end of the day, the bestseller across all of the stores, regardless of the time of year or the country, was a black 7-8 legging. And, you know, if a buyer bought that in autumn, winter, and it gets coded a certain way from a buyer's perspective, then it gets marked down at a certain point of the year. And, you know, for us, that really didn't align with us because, you know, a lot of our products really should have been evergreen or core from the get-go. So 
when everything happened with COVID and the stores, the warehouses closed and therefore a lot of the stores that had bought, you know, pre-booked particular styles and particular colors and particular size runs weren't accepting their goods. And we were left with all of that stock. It gave us the balls. It sort of forced our hand, though, to, to go D to C overnight. Doesn't mean it wasn't scary, but it meant that we could then sell that stock, market that stock how we wanted as well. So from that point, we, we were D to C. So that was from 2020 onward. That's so awesome. And I'm so happy to hear that you sort of pushed back and you went, this doesn't align with our values and created the business that you had envisaged. So I am here for this. And I really loved what you said about, you know, building the website and it's just a needle in the haystack. Like I think some of the worst business advice ever is build it and they will come. Yes, definitely. Build it and they will. <laughs> I think that also from a marketing perspective, like we didn't do any marketing back then. It was all sales. So yeah, everything was about developing product and then selling to wholesale accounts. So, you know, that also doesn't help with the needle in the haystack of a website that's just sitting in the abyss with no marketing leading it there. So that was part of the change as well, which luckily we were already sort of going in that direction pre-COVID as well and starting to think about how we're going to start marketing the brand and the ID behind the brand and what we want to stand for and how we're going to stand out. And yeah, I guess luckily for us, we were sort of already on that journey before COVID happened. So it would have been much harder to do that through 2020 when everything was closed down. Well, when you finally came to the marketing party, you came good, didn't you? Oh my gosh, your campaign is literally like... I, I don't know how many times I've watched it, but I have literally lost count. So we're going to talk about We Are LNDR for sure. But first, I want to know about No Bullshit, which is your tagline. What does that mean to you? Well, I think No Bullshit actually has been one of our core values from the beginning, well before we even considered marketing or like considered the sort of the brand identity behind the marketing. But yeah, I think for us, it's probably like most things kind of started with the product and it was always about longevity of the product and no sort of flash trends that you regret in a month's time and just sticking with like really timeless quality product. And also like the whole, you know, if you've seen the ad, you know, the motivational quotes on t-shirts, you know, for us, our customers, sort of smart and professional women, you know, they don't, they probably don't need a motivational quote, but if they did, they probably wouldn't look for a t shirt for it. So, all those sorts of things. And that was just part of what we talked about from the product from the beginning with the product. And then, sort of rolling onto how we talk to the customers and the tone of voice of the brand. And that was something we really started to develop when we started looking at the brand identity and the marketing when we started to concept, you know, that first ad. And then I think that's something maybe we'll talk about or like as the brand grows and as we get more into the sustainability space and things, I think it's something that will really make a lot of sense with how we approach sustainability and how we talk to the customer about it and just really sort of honest and yeah, no bullshit. I think that's, that's definitely part of that concept and how we talk about things and try not to be, salesy you know like too salesy like let's just tell it how it is because we're putting so much into what we're doing you know there's not really any need to like amp it up 
and there's positives and negatives to everything. So how we shed light on the negatives as well and things like that. I think that's part of how we see the no bullshit running through the brand. And then also leading on to the service that we give our customers as well and making sure that we're not sort of doing anything that would be considered sort of trickery, like, oh, no, sorry, you're out of the return day period or, you know, just being really sort of fair with those sort of things. And, like, I think, you know, we're going back to the product again, like with the amount of effort and time that we're putting into the product, we really want to stand behind it and make sure that it is what people are expecting it to be and what they're paying money for. And if it's not, then making sure we sort that out and we'll get them into the right product if, you know, it's not quite right for them and all those sorts of things. So just being really, I guess, transparent and honest and and real, like actually like humans, you know, are humans at the other end of the computer or whatever, just trying to get our customers into the very best products for them. And so I think that's how we see no bullshit as a service as well. So, yes, you have your terms and conditions to sort of protect you in some cases, but at the end of the day, if a customer reaches out to us and says something's gone wrong or this just doesn't work for me or whatever, then, you know, making sure that we sort that out and that leads on probably to the – we've got like a 30-day sweat test as well where you can wear our leggings for after you purchase the leggings. You can wear them for 30 days and if they're not the leggings that you expected or you don't absolutely love them, then you can return them sort of no questions asked and, you know, hopefully we can get you into a legging that suits you better. But if not, then that's how it is. I love that you're just putting your money where your mouth is. So good. But a lot of – what I'm seeing in in marketing lately is this trend towards anti-marketing. I love it. It's my favorite, favorite trend, but I've really struggled to put it into words. Like what is anti-marketing? And I think what you just said there, Joe, actually summarizes it so perfectly. It is no bullshit. Anti-marketing is a no bullshit approach to marketing. And it's really honest and transparent and just treating your customers with respect. And I just really love that. So awesome. (laughs) Great. All right. So We Are LNDR was your launch campaign and it was, we have arrived. This is who we are. It broke the internet. Camel toe. Noun. The cleavage between the toes of a large ungulate. Slang for that thing where the seam of your leggings gets a little too friendly. We're over camel toe and VPL. And swamp crotch. And bouncing out of your bra. And wow, everyone knows you're wearing a thong today because your leggings are fully see-through. We want no bullshit. We are LNDR. I want to hear some of the results of the LNDR campaign. We are LNDR campaign. Well, I think, you know, from the beginning, so we launched it in end of 2019. And, you know, almost straight from the beginning, like we said, we we probably didn't have a whole lot to compare it to beforehand but right from the beginning we got really good click-through rates from it and really high engagement so I think it's just one of those pieces of content I guess that gets people talking either you know it's not all positive either like some people didn't like it but that's fine I think the vast majority was positive part of the whole reason we set out the sort of angle we had when we set out to do that campaign too wasn't you know to be everything to everyone and we knew that it wasn't going to be everyone's sort of it's the right analogy, a cup of tea. Cup of tea. <laughs> Always get them the wrong way around. Yeah, so we knew everyone wasn't going to love it, and that's 
sort of what we liked about it and why we thought it was right. But yeah, a lot of people really engage with it positively and negatively. The click-through rates have always and, you know, for, for a really long time maintained really high click-through rates on that on that asset. Yeah, it's just a really great prospecting, like out to a cold audience. It just gives people a good snapshot, I think, of what we're trying to do and what we're about. Yeah. And so relevant even still today. Like I would not have guessed that it was 2019. It just feels super current. Yeah, it hasn't really aged for us really. Like we've created like quite a few sort of videos since then, some that cost a lot a lot more to create. And you can probably actually tell like when you watch them that there's a bit more in the production of it and things, but it definitely doesn't equal effectiveness you know I think that ad for us has by far been the most effective ad we've ever created yeah probably one of the cheapest yeah so it was produced on a relatively low budget now obviously that's subjective so can you take us a little bit behind the scenes of the production like what did that look like was that you know a couple of days one day yeah two days well, it's just in a studio. It's actually the first time we'd ever done video. Like all our other content previously had been photo shoots, static. So that was new to us. And the team was quite big. I mean, we worked with an agency here in London who set it up and they have people for everything. It's quite different from what we were used to before. Don't worry, they don't pay the interns. <laughs> <laughs> But I think because it was the first time working with this agency and they were really keen to work with us and liked the concept and things. So they were really trying to help out, do us some favours and talk to some of the crew that they work with, you know, regularly and see if they wanted to be part of it at a sort of reduced rate and things like that. So I think not just us, but a lot of people kind of pulled in a few favours for it. And I think quite a few people liked the concept of what we were doing as well. So they were keen to do it and have it in their portfolio and things too. So, and the agency here, Brave, they're a really good agency. So I think, you know, people like working with them and probably wanted that. So I think all those things help. And, you know, when you go in with that intent and you sort of, yeah, okay, we don't have a huge budget, but we were trying to do this and this is the idea. And, you know, then I think you can get some really great people on board pretty cost effectively. But as we found, then when you start to do other ones later on, then, it's harder it's harder to get people to continue doing favors yeah so I think for us at the time it was a huge amount of money like nothing like what we'd spent I mean as we said we we barely you know didn't really do any marketing let alone spend this sort of money in on video production and editing and concepting and copywriting and there just are a lot of elements to consider to get it right but yeah I think one of the key features was the copywriting as well that just nailed like what we were trying to get across and to have that kind of like fun sort of witty element to it that's sort of really straight and to the point like in our no bullshit tone but still not like boring I guess yeah very relatable and very humorous so you can get away with being a little bit cheeky because it's funny so simple set dressing one location phoning in favors with talent and crew and knock it out of the park success and I think you made a really good point there Joe about the fact that creatives like myself we can get really excited about the work we're sick of the boring briefs and so when a client comes to us with something that is 
really genuinely creative and takes risks, then yeah, we are willing to do it cheaper, faster. And I think that that's a good message for listeners to take out of this is that if you really want to break the mold on your marketing, as you should, because creativity is the future of business advantage, then, you know, take some risks. Like playing it safe is the riskiest strategy of all when it comes to your marketing. Got Marketing is brought to you by Campaign Del Mar, a marketing education platform for entrepreneurs. Master the fundamentals of marketing, nail your email marketing strategy, or join my signature program, Campaign Classroom, and learn how to create killer marketing campaigns. These are not the kind of online programs where you are left floundering, unsure how to put theory into practice. Nor will these programs sit unfinished for months. You can expect accountability, a supportive community, and to walk away with practical, real-world marketing skills. Learn more at campaigndelmar.com. All right, so let's chat about influencer marketing because fashion brands swear by influencers. What's the LNDR approach to influencers? We've only really dabbled, I was going to say, in influencer marketing. And to date, we haven't had a lot of success with it. And it could be that we've only dabbled, right? That could be part of the reason. But our approach now is, you know, in line with no bullshit. I think it's like a non-influencer program. We have a group of LNDR ambassadors, actually, that we work with that are multi-hyphenate professionals or they're, you know, head trainers at a gym or own, you know, several boutique fitness studios or, you know, something of the sort, a well-known PT. And it's not just online, it's offline. I think that's the influential part. That's what makes it a non-influencer program because it's not always the content. It's not always on social media. I think someone that's influential to us, someone who's, you know, training a group of 30 people three times a day, six times a week. And, you know, they're, they're putting the product to the test. And that speaks to, at the end of the day, LNDR's entire existence. We're a product-led business. So ultimately, we want to get our products on more people and on the right people that are moving all day long. And, you know, naturally, they speak to the product of people, ask them about it. We've got codes, you know, uh, corporate you know, rates with particular businesses and, you know, codes with these particular ambassadors as well, but we're not turning them into salespeople. Often they just turn into natural salespeople, which is an absolute bonus, which is great. A lot of them are fantastic content creators, which we love them for, but also we want to help to promote their businesses as well. So it's like mutually beneficial where possible. So that's our approach right now that we are, I guess, spending more energy and time in versus the more traditional influencer marketing program. And it's been great. It's allowed us to, again, like scale other parts of our business, like the event side by having these partners, you know, come, we've got this big wellness event happening. Could you do Pilates? Could you do brows? Would you be able to do remedial massage? Oh, we need a PT to stretch people before their class, you know, and it means that it's building a community as well through their communities, through their businesses as well, which is something up until this point that we haven't had, which um, a lot of businesses build their business on community. And we've sort of been behind the scenes. We're not, you know, and no one in the team is sort of a socialite or on social media ourselves, we're sort of behind the scenes or hustling in real life and not really on the internet making, you know, front page news. So I think that this has really helped and shape our business from that point of view. 
I just love how much you live your values and it comes through everything that you do, even through influencer marketing. You're like, okay, we're no bullshit and we don't follow the same rules that everyone else follows and it's non-traditional. And so, of course, your influencer strategy is non-traditional as well. And that's just so beautiful to see that cohesiveness across every part of your business. And I really love the fact that Ellen Dia, and I'm like a super fan, as you've probably picked up, that you're all about performance. And so it makes so much sense that you would choose ambassadors who are trainers and experts and, you know, in that performance space rather than just content creators, you know? So, yeah, so good. I think it's, it's always been really important to us too, that they genuinely really love the product as well so that it is more genuine. And I think sometimes when we have, like Sarah said, dabbled in influencer marketing it's and it's been sort of more transactional, like the relationship, it's just sort of like just one more thing kind of, and it's just, there's less, yeah, genuine relationship behind it. Whereas like how we work now with the ambassadors that we have is that it is like a really genuine relationship between our brand and their brand and them as a person. Amazing. All right. So before we go into your David versus Goliath story, I just want to know, so is there a We Are LNDR part two coming soon? What's next? Is there a new campaign in the mix? We have done one since then, actually. We did a 2021 sequel, but it was quite specific to the exact time, you know, the lockdown period and things. So it didn't have the same longevity, I guess. That's probably a lesson that we learned, like with assets, like how you can make them evergreen or you can make them really of the time. But if they're of the time, you know, there's obviously a, an expiry date on it. And then we have another series of six, which six videos too around sort of the concept was expensive for good reason and everything that goes into the products and things like that. But yeah, we're working on different types of content now as well as the video format and yeah, just trying out different things and working with our ambassadors and things as well. I did like getting dressed for 2021, the Christmas long johns. That was, I love that. But yeah, you're right. That's such a good point about is a great concept, but maybe that could have been done like just with an iPhone on the cheap rather than a full production for something that doesn't have the same longevity as the centerpiece campaign, We Are LNDR, which is more of a brand awareness campaign. Yeah, 100%. Yeah. Great takeaway. All right. So many of our listeners are small business owners frustrated with big brands behaving badly, like blatantly ripping off their designs and throwing their weight around. But you have this heartening story of David versus Goliath where you took on Nike and you won. So unpack that for us because this is one hell of a story. Yeah, this was uh, 2018, I think, and Nike released a, a campaign in London called Nothing Beats a Londoner. But when we first saw it on Instagram, they had GB athletes wearing the T-shirts with the LDNR logo on them, which looked almost identical to our logo. And we contacted our trademark lawyers and they, you know, straight away told us that we had a good case and sent a cease and desist to the Nike lawyers. Yeah, and then it started from there. But, you know, they take a couple of weeks to get back. And in those couple of weeks, they actually launched the full campaign. And it was all over the underground in London. It was on TV ads, all over social media. They had 
I mean, it was just an absolutely massive campaign with tens of millions being spent on it. And so you can imagine, you know, we're sort of, what, three years in. And I think like when you get your trademark, when you launch your brand, you sort of think, oh, you know, you'll stop new brands from coming in and and using the same brand as you. But it's just not something you really expect that the biggest player in the market globally is going to start using your trademark. But yeah, it happened quite quickly. We filed for an injunction straight away. And I think within a couple of months, the court granted the injunction to sort of hold their campaign or their use of the mark until we could go to court in approximately six months from when we first sent the cease and desist. So it was a six-month period. And of course, if if it had run for the six months, we wouldn't be here. That's for sure. They would, in very short amount of time, a brand like Nike could own that trademark sort of in the eye of the customer and then, you know, essentially your mark's invalid. So we learned a lot really quickly. I mean, it took up a huge, huge amount of my time personally, but the team's time, like going through folders and folders of disclosure and all the rest. So it was huge, certainly not something you expect to happen. <laughs> that's for sure. I'm so sorry you had to go through that. So what were you feeling at the time? Was it like, we've just put all of our dreams and hopes in this business and Nike's about to shut this down for us? Or what was the feeling at the time? I think we're like, we were a bit shocked at first and, you know, I probably angry and thinking like, how can they you know, how can they do that when we did everything the right way, right? We got all the right marks and filed everything correctly and paid for it all up front, you know, at the beginning. So I think it's more like disbelief in the system at first, probably like how they could do that. And, and, and through the process to, you know, it became clear that they searched for trademarks like six months before launching the campaign. They knew we owned it. They couldn't get the mark for it but it was sort of became very clear that when you're that size sort of those sorts of rules don't tend to apply to you unless you know I think they got really unlucky with us to be honest that it's just a huge amount of cost to defend your mark as well I think you sort of think or we thought back then you know we have the trademark it's a no-brainer but then but it's not you still have to go to court you still have to you know put forward all the legal fees and everything like that and most brands our size could never have afforded that and we were lucky enough to have the financial backing to be able to do that otherwise you know Nike would have just been able to do whatever they want and I think probably nine times out of ten that's exactly what happens. Oh my gosh I can't believe they knew and they just didn't care just like we don't care wow yeah wow all right so what's next for LNDR what are some avenues for growth that you're exploring yeah since our move from being a wholesale business or a wholesale model to swapping to D2C over the last two years two plus years rather we've now been speaking so much to our customers you know previous to 2020, you know, we had customers all over the world, but they were iconic customers, David Jones customers, Selfridges customers, et cetera. And so now finally speaking to those customers, we have so much more insight into not only what they like, what they don't like, you know, what they'll buy on sale versus what they'll always buy at full price, you know, wait lists for certain sold out styles. But we also know so much more about like where they are and how they shop and how frequently too. So 
Now it's just really getting LNDR out there where their eyeballs are. So like where they're shopping in real life or marketplaces. And that's basically what, what we're focusing on is getting to more places where they are already shopping as a sort of discovery tool. So marketplaces, as I said, is a, is a big focus for us in key markets. And then just being very mindful about ensuring that it is a discovery tool and we're not giving sort of like all of our cards away that we're still, the goal is really to get more people to the site, but also to make LNDR really seamless to buy, really easy. And as a discovery tool, if they can also benefit from, you know, the terms of the shipping or the logistics and the policies of a particular retailer and eliminates that barrier to entry, great, you know, and then the hope is then that we can um, bring them to our site after that point. Yeah, so that's the next phase. Exciting. Maybe more maybe more in real life experiences too, sir. Exactly. Yeah, we just uh, two weeks ago, we did a, our first no bullshit event um, in Brisbane at a rooftop, at Iris rooftop. And it was a full wellness day. And uh, I touched on it earlier. It was a ticketed event. It was a customer centric event. Everyone that arrived, there were 200 plus people there. And we had 10 local Brisbane based brands that were there. They're doing like essentially tasters of, of what their businesses offer. So 20 minute classes, you know, poolside, lots of variation of fitness elements. It was fully catered and then like a full sort of recovery area, ice baths, and then beauty treatments as well. So really nice way to celebrate, you know, our, our partner brands, our ambassadors, so many of those people, and also see so many of our customers in real life. And it was phenomenal how much people bought at the event too. So it's made us really excited to, you know, look at retail in a different way, look at events in a different way. And it's sort of, we're still buzzing on the back of that event. So it's, it's really exciting. How clever to create something experiential, especially after the last few years of, you know, everyone being locked down. That's what we're craving is all to come together as a community, like-minded people, all interested in fitness and wellness and really touch and feel and get to know people. So I think that even though you guys were, you say you're, you know, oh, we didn't do a lot of marketing, you kind of nail it. <laughs> just, just quietly. <laughs> Well, I think it's uh, getting in front of customers is second to none. You know, I think that in our move to D2C, speaking to customers online is great through our customer service channels and social media and live chat, et cetera. But there's nothing quite like selling in real life. I mean, that's what I've done since the beginning of my career. And that's what I've always done at LNDR. So getting in front of customers, sale by sale and experience by experience is, is just great. So we're already looking at mm, retail where should we go? Where can we put LNDR permanently? Yeah. So that's basically what Joe was alluding to as well. Well, I'll certainly be watching this space for sure. And I just absolutely love what you said about listening to the customers and learning directly from them. And there seems to be this real trend of like automation and, you know, this sort of invisible wall between you and your customers and contact forms and just never actually coming up close and personal with them. And like one of the things that I say all the time is, can you just pick up the damn phone? Can you just yeah. pick up the phone? Yeah. So you're doing all the most incredible things. And I am sure that our listeners have gotten so much out of our conversation today. Sarah, Joe, it has been an absolute pleasure chatting with you. And I am so looking forward to seeing what's next with the LNDR journey. I'm going to, of course, include the link of We Are LNDR as well as the website in the show notes. But thank you again for your time and just wishing you all the best for the future. 
Thank you so much, Mia. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Mia. Thank you. You listened right up until the end. So why not hit that subscribe button and keep the good marketing rolling? Podcast reviews are like warm hugs and they're also the best way to support a small business. You can connect with me, Mia Feilman, on Instagram or LinkedIn and feel free to send me a message. I'm super friendly.